You could argue that coming into 2023, the Orioles infield might be the deepest group of players they have for this season. The question is, how will Brandon Hyde use all these guys and get them all at bats throughout the year? Well, Paul Valley is here to join us to try and answer that question coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Tuesday, March 21st, 2023. And welcome back into the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And today I am joined by Paul Valley. He is the co-host of the Bat Around over at Pressbox. Also talking Orioles with Ryan Blake over at Give That Fan a Podcast. You can find him many places talking about the O's. He's been on this podcast multiple times before. And Paul, first of all, thank you again for uh, jumping on Lockdown Orioles with me once again. Oh, I'm always happy to do it. Thanks for thinking of me for this segment. I appreciate it. Yeah, I, I like having you on to do kind of the the recaps and the previews of uh, of certain guys and, and certain groups each season. I actually think after 2021, uh, we chatted about Orioles infielders, and we're going to do it again today leading into 2023. Now, the group is mostly different. Uh, Ramona Rios is still hanging around, um, and, and I guess Jorge Mateo as well, although he really wasn't much a part of 2021 with the injury he sustained. But now we look at this group, and it's a deep group. There's talent. There's guys who are ready to come up from AAA who we'll get to as well. But let's just start with this. When you look at the 26 guys who, if everyone stays healthy, will head to Boston for opening day. I look at the infielders being, and if we're including the catchers and the first baseman here, Rutschman and McCann behind the plate, Mountcastle at first base. And then in the infield, you have the combination of, of Vavra and Frazier and Arias, and then Mateo and Gunnar Henderson. Do you see that group changing at all? Or do you think that is kind of the group of infielders that goes to Boston? Um, I think for right now, that is the group. Uh, Jordan Westbrook's having a great spring. Um, but I, I he has one walk. Connor Norby has zero walks. And I know we're going to talk about them in, in a little bit, but they'll factor in later in the year. Um, those are the guys right now. I maintain that Adam Frazier wasn't a need. Uh, for this team, uh, but we can get into that in a little bit. I think those are the guys. Yeah, and I'm including catcher and first base in this infield preview just because those positions feel pretty set. I mean, mm -hmm. I think we're in agreement that Adley Rutschman and James McCann are going to be the two catchers. Adley yeah. could win the MVP this year if things break right, and James McCann seemed to me like a pretty good backup catcher pickup to get a guy who, yeah, he wasn't good with the Mets, but he produced before that. He's a veteran. He's handled pitching staffs, and two years, 5 million. This is just kind of a more so looking forward question. Quickly, do you think James McCann plays the last two years or, or his two years with the Orioles and is the backup catcher as long as he's healthy that entire time? I, I can't see why not. I don't know how much value he has as a trade chip at this point in his career. Now, if he's the backup catcher, he gets some time at first, gets some time at DH and he's producing – uh playoff ready team that is a catcher away might come calling and depending on the package you might not be able to say no but I don't foresee that happening I think that he plays out his contract in Baltimore yeah and then the other kind of smaller question is Ryan Mountcastle's at first base we know that we actually talked about Ryan Mountcastle on this podcast earlier this offseason mm -hmm. so I'm kind of just skipping over Mountcastle because everybody knows what's going on 
He had a super unlucky year. I think the stats will go up, and he's going to be the Orioles' everyday first baseman. Now, the O's have this group of guys. Now, Lewin Diaz, probably no longer in this group. He just got optioned to minor league camp on Monday. But you have the Ryan O'Hearns, the Josh Lesters, the Franchi Corderos of the world. I guess Nomar Mazzaro, although he doesn't really play first base, is in that conversation. I've said on the pod over the last couple of weeks, even with Franchi Cordero hitting over 500, I just don't see any of these guys making the roster. Do you give any of them a chance at this point, you know, less than, than 10 days from opening day? It's hard. It's hard because it's a nice problem that the Orioles have. There's not necessarily a roster spot for any of them. Um, and you look at, they're all having nice springs. Lewin Diaz, I would have thought, would have had the leg up if he hadn't had the shoulder injury. And like you said, on Monday, he just got sent back down or reassigned to minor league camp. Um, Lester, prolific power hitter the last four years, in particular in the minor leagues. Uh, Franchi Cordero, we know the exit velocities. We know he's hitting like 550 this spring. He's been their best and most productive hitter the entire spring. Uh, I just don't see where they're going to fit. Now, it's great depth to have. They can find different ways to play these guys at AAA and the same lineup. Uh, and they're only a phone call away. As for opening day, I don't see it. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how many of them stick as well because it makes it easier that none of them are on the 40-man roster. But I could certainly see a guy specifically in Cordero having an opt-out potentially in that mm -hmm. minor league deal because he's a guy who – has played enough at the big leagues the last few years where him and I think Nomar Mazzara falls into this category as well, where they would still probably look for a big league deal with a worse team yeah. if it didn't work out with the Orioles. And especially with Cordero's spring, if he's got an opt-out, I think he would certainly take that opt-out. And I think somebody 100%. would probably take a chance, at least on Cordero. Now, Mazzara hasn't looked good and who knows what he's got left, but I think someone would take a chance on him. But I agree, I just don't see the spot. So that kind of takes us to why the spot may not be there. And it it feels like, let's kind of start with this. It feels like if there is a spot among the, quote, infielders, it would probably be Taron Vavra's spot. It mm -hmm. feels like he would be the only guy who would maybe be up for grabs. You thought when he got injured earlier this spring, that could open the door, but he came back pretty quickly. He's continued to hit. And that's the flip side of this. I just feel like Vavra has done enough. He's versatile enough where he's not going to give up that roster spot. Yeah, the he takes professional at-bats. He doesn't hit for a ton of power, though we've seen more power from him this spring than we probably could have expected. Um, but the versatility could be the X factor for him. The fact that he's uh, spent time playing second base and first base and third base in spring, he has experience in the outfield. He can play center field on a pinch if you need him to. That makes him a super utility player that can put the bat on the ball and he can get on base at a high rate. Very valuable to this team. I think he's a shoe-in for the roster. Yeah, it's nice to be that versatile. It's cool that he's talked about how he's barely played any third base professionally until this spring. And mm -hmm. he's already talked about how comfortable he is at third base. We've heard all the first base murmurings, you know, do the Orioles need somebody on this roster who can play first? And they kind of do in mm -hmm. case something happens to Mountcastle in the middle of a game or something, or if he's just, you know, got a day-to-day -day injury where you're not going to make a move. Vavra finally played first base in a spring training game on Monday, played two innings. So that is huge just to say that the O's trust him enough to say, go do it in a game. And the fact that they had Santander go do it in the game, you know, before he went to the WBC and the fact that McCann and Rutschman can do it, I think makes that spot even smaller potential for one of those first base guys. And, and yeah, I, I, I love Taron Vavra. I don't think he's going to be an everyday player, um, but I really do like kind of what he brings to this lineup when he is going to be in there. And you mentioned he can play a little outfield. He is 
the super utility. I tweeted earlier this offseason, what if he's just better Ryan Flaherty? I think I think that could <laughs> be a ceiling for him. And I think people would probably be happy with that if that was Taron Bobber's ceiling. Yeah, I, I can I can kind of see that. I think overall he'll hit for a better average than Ryan Flaherty. Ryan Flaherty definitely had more power um than than Vavra does. But look, he's a guy that's gonna play a key role on this team. I think he's gonna get a not an everyday player, but he'll probably get a, like three starts, two to three starts every week come in. Um, he's not that fast. He's not that great of a defender, but he can do a lot of the, a lot of different things that are going to help this team in the long run. Yeah, ver- versatility always helps you. But we'll get back to previewing the infield with Paul Valley here in just a second. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by LinkedIn Talent Solutions. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. You go on LinkedIn Jobs, you post the job, and then you add the purple hashtag hiring frame to your profile to spread the word. And they've got simple tools like screening questions that make it easy to focus on candidates with the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and who you'd like to hire. It's why small businesses rank LinkedIn Jobs number one, delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. And LinkedIn Jobs, it helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MLB. That's linkedin.com slash locked on MLB to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. So we're back here with Paul Valley of the Bat Around previewing the Orioles infield for the 2023 season as we are just over a week here from opening day. And we've talked about kind of the fringes of the infield already. You know, not much of a chance probably for those first base guys. Taron Vavra being the guy who could lose a spot, but we think he's pretty much going to be on this roster in some capacity. We know what the catchers will be. We know Mountcastle will be at first base. So that brings us to what the heck Brandon Hyde is going to do every single day in this lineup. And before we even dive in player by player, Paul, I just want to say, and I want to get your take on this, like I think the Orioles could throw a different lineup out there like the first seven games of the year, the first week of the year. They could have, you know, with guys changing positions, changing spots in the lineup, they could have seven different lineups in that first week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the the depth on this team all the way around is just unlike anything I've seen in quite some time, if not in my entire life. Um, they have guys that can play all over the infield, guys who can play all over the outfield, and, you know, I'm one of those guys who's pretty outspoken last year about the lineups that Brandon Hyde would put out in on certain days and in certain situ- situations. And he doesn't really have anybody on this team now that when they're in the lineup, you're going to feel like, oh, man, there's a punt lineup. They're just so deep. Every lineup will make this team competitive every single game. Yeah, the only guy it could be is maybe James McCann if he hits like he did with the Mets. But you can't get out of playing him at least once a week. I mean, Adley has to get at least one day off back there, you know, just to save him, not even just because you're protecting him more because he's Adley, but I mean, every catcher takes at least one day off. And that's really the only guy where it could happen like that. But I don't think James McCann's going to be even as bad as he was last year because he was like historically bad and, and got unlucky as well. So we know these other guys in the lineup. So, you know, you're looking at Ryan Mountcastle at first and then you have Vavra as well, but you have Adam Frazier who is mostly a second baseman, but can play a little corner outfield. You have Ramon Arias, just won the gold glove at third, but he can play some second base and some shortstop in a pinch. And then really on the left side, you have Jorge Mateo, 
who we haven't seen play much other than shortstop lately. I don't think he played another position at all in 2022. And then you have Gunnar Henderson, who we know is great at short, but has also shown he's great at third. So let's start with the left side of the infield. Are you at least beginning the season kind of penciling in Henderson at third and Mateo at short most of the time? Or are you getting Arias more time at third base because he did just win the gold glove over there? Well, Mateo is going to start the year as your as your shortstop, and Gunnar Henderson's going to play third base just about every day. Um, I think Mateo's seat is a lot hotter than people think. You you cannot on a competitive ball club, especially in the American League East, bat two twenty one with a two sixty seven on base percentage. And we're talking about a guy who was still a three and a half win player last year, despite those offensive shortcomings. The defense is great, but also keep in mind that the defensive metrics are what they are because he's just so damn fast that he can get to balls that a lot of other people can't get to. For me to start the year, I know it's going to be Mateo and Henderson. Um, And I don't want to steal thunder from later in the show, but do not be surprised if Ortiz becomes a factor. Joey Ortiz becomes a factor for this team sooner rather than later. Oh, yeah, we we will certainly get to that. So then we'll move over to the right side, because let's assume that, you know, we do know Corey Kluber is going to start opening day. Let's assume Mateo gets that start at shortstop and he's batting ninth. And then Henderson is in there at third base against a right-hander. You know, you still have second base and probably DH open, you know, is Santander in there? I don't want to get too far into the outfield on our infield preview, but you know, against a right-hander on opening day, like what do you think it looks like? Is Aria sitting, you know, do they have Adam Frazier in there? I just, I haven't even kind of formulated opinion myself on what they're going to do because there's just so many moving parts here. Santander is an everyday middle of the order player for them. So he's, he's going to be in there probably playing right field, if not Stowers DHing. But like you said, this is um, uh, an infield preview here. It's going to be Frazier going up, going up against the righty. They brought him in here and basically said, he's going to play every day at second base. He's a good defender. He's had some really great years in the past. Um, 2022, not great, but that it was a weird year for everybody in 2022. I can see Ramona Rios being on the bench that you're a reigning third base gold glove winner being on the base to being on the bench to start the year. Uh, I can 100% see that. Yeah. Do you think, and that kind of brings me to what I think is the biggest wild card in the infield, who you just mentioned is Ramona Rios. When I kind of sent you like the, the show notes before and we were talking before, I was talking about, you know, does Arias just get squeezed out? Like, does he get traded almost because the O's have a gold glover with a solid bat, an above average major league bat who won a gold glove, who, especially if Jorge Mateo just gets a tick better offensively, they might not have anywhere to play Ramon Arias. Like, what what do you do with him? I think you play him against lefties at least, but you see more righties. What do you do with Ramon Arias? I said on my show on Saturday that I am convinced that a trade is coming. There's just too many guys for too few positions, and that's before we talk about these prospects that we're going to get to here in a minute. Ramon Arias, you, you look at it, Jose Altuve just broke his thumb. The Astros are in need of a second baseman. The Dodgers are in need of some infield help. There's some teams out there that need infield help that the Orioles can they can help them out. I, I cannot imagine them going into opening day and standing pat and just having guys who deserve to be there, who deserve to be getting playing time, not playing because there's just too many of them. In the meantime, if Arias isn't traded, 
He's going to be a guy who plays four to five times a week at different positions. He can back up at shortstop if you need him to. He'll get, I think he'll get equal starts at second and at third and maybe even DH a little bit. He might DH on opening day. You never know. Um, but he's not going to be set at one position, but he'll still get plenty of starts. Yeah, when I've put out some like projected lineups for just opening day, a couple of the times I've put out Arias at DH and I've gotten a lot of blowback. You're going to put a gold glove winner at DH. I'm like, well, Gunnar Henderson's probably going to win a gold glove at some point. So I'm putting him at third base and Jorge Mateo should have won a gold glove and he's at short. And so where do you want me to put Ramon Arias at this point? You know, it would feel weird to have Adam Frazier be DHing considering what his bat did last year. And he plays a pretty good second base as well. So you're going to want him out there. So it's almost like if you like Ramon Arias, you got to DH him a little bit. And does that lose a lot mm-hmm. of his value? And you mentioned a couple of teams that are looking for infielders. I mean, a weird thing we learned today is that the Atlanta Braves, who you know lost Ansby Swanson and never added a shortstop, Vaughn Grissom, who was up at the end of the year with them, one of their top prospects, they optioned him to AAA today. And mm-hmm. so they're going to go with Orlando Arcia and Ari Adrianza at shortstop. I have to imagine the Braves might also be looking elsewhere. So if that trade happens... I'll say if because we know Ken Rosenthal has reported that the teams had been calling about Jorge Mateo earlier in the offseason, and I had heard that Ramon Arias was coming up in some deals. The Orioles were talking with the Mets a little bit about uh, Ramon Arias for one of their like lower-level starting pitchers kind of deal. Who would you rather deal? If you felt like the Orioles just had to deal one of these infielders, who would you rather deal away, Mateo or Arias? I hate to say it, but Ramon Arias. Uh, I think that Mateo just – does too many things that help your ball club. Yeah, he may not be a great hitter, but he can come in and play the infield. He can come in and play the outfield. He can pinch run. He can swipe you back late in the game. Um, and we know how good of a defender he is at shortstop. And there are times when he's the most electric player on the field. Uh, for me, he's just got more versatility and more value to the Orioles than Ramona Rios. Ramona Rios is a very good defender. At two different positions, you already have good defenders as it is at the positions that he plays. So for me, it's Mateo. Yeah, I mean, it's it's so tough because you have two great defenders. You have a guy in Arias who can hit better than Mateo. But I've talked about this before, like off the bench, I feel like Mateo is more valuable if each of them have Absolutely. to get pushed to that role. Uh, Mateo is just more valuable because he can come in and steal a base and, and be a, maybe a better defensive replacement. So... It'll be interesting to to find out. And, and, you know, maybe just this opening group pushes a trade. Maybe the prospects push a trade. And that's what we'll get to to finish things up coming up in just a second. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is also brought to you by Built Bar. And listen, it is March Madness. And there's a great bracket out there for the men's and women's tournament. But also the Built March Madness bracket is here. We know you have a favorite Built Bar, Built Puff. And now's your time to make it count. Go to BuiltMarchMadness.com to vote for your favorites. Now, I know I'll be voting for the Peanut Butter Brownie Bar. That is the best flavor by far. And if you want it to win, then you'll be voting for that bar too. Support your team. Support your Built Bar. And when you vote for a favorite bar, you will be entered into a drawing where 50 lucky Locked On listeners will get a free box of Built Bars. Not only that, but one Locked On fan will win a 12-month subscription to Built to have Built's best bars or puffs delivered monthly straight to your door. And you got to try Built Bar. It's the best protein bar ever. Still has all the good stuff of a protein bar, but it tastes like a candy bar. So run to BuiltMarchMadness.com right now to vote for your favorite bar and pick up a box while you're there. You can vote every day in March. So hop in and support your pick. 
So we're here with Paul Valley of the Bat Around chatting Orioles infield. And Paul, as we kind of went around the horn there and, and talked about Orioles infielders, I think the guy we talked about least right there was Gunnar Henderson. And it's because we both agree he's going to be in there pretty much every day. Yeah, he's going to get some yeah. days off, maybe against some left-handers, just to save him a little bit, save his legs. I'm sure he'll go through a rough stretch this season because he is a rookie. But we have to think, I mean, he's going to be in there every day in the middle of the lineup. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And you see that he's either batting leadoff, third, or fourth in every spring training uh, uh, lineup so far this this uh, spring. He's an everyday player. He's number one prospect in baseball. He is the number one favorite for rookie of the year. I think he's going to have um, a, a little bit of a downward trend at different times. Like you said, he's he's going to hit a rough patch because he is a rookie. And we saw it in this spring. He only just recently started hitting. Uh, but at the end of the day, if you talk to people around the game, uh, scouts, uh, guys like Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo and Keith Law, they'll tell you he is a superstar talent. And I think by midseason, you'll see that coming in, coming to fruition. Yeah, and, and we know he's going to play a, a lot of third base. But here's where I want to get to the prospects, because there's a scenario where Jorge Mateo, the bat just isn't there. He kind of gets moved to the bench. And Gunnar Henderson starts to play a lot of shortstop because when we mm -hmm. saw him start those few games at shortstop, I mean, it was really fun to watch him there. Now, he probably doesn't have the range of Mateo just because Mateo's range is ridiculous, but that arm is crazy from Gunnar yeah. Henderson. We saw him show it off a lot. But there's also the possibility, like you alluded to earlier, that Henderson just locks down third. And if there is a Mateo scuffle, that one of these prospects, Jordan Westberg, Joey Ortiz, more so those two guys because they're shortstops, we could see Connor Norby come up and play second base at some point. So if there is just a just a real tough couple of months for Jorge Mateo, like, you know, he's playing every day and he's hitting 200 and then he moves to play in every other day and he's still not hitting and he's essentially moved to a bench role, a pinch runner, a defensive replacement. What do you see the Orioles' first move being in terms of who they call up and then who gets the majority of the shortstop reps? Oh, man, I think that the first prospect that they call up is going to be Jordan Westberg. Uh, they, he's their minor league player of the year from last year. He plays short, second, third. He can play the outfield. And he's had a really good spring. Um, I thought that Joey Ortiz could battle for the for could give Mateo a nice battle this spring. He took that uh, bad hop off the head, was in concussion protocol, and then basically right after he got out of that, got option back down to minor league camp. So for me, it's going to be Jordan Westberg, but I do not um, think that uh, – I'm trying to figure out the right way to phrase this here. I can foresee a situation where at some point you have Westberg at second, Joey Ortiz at shortstop, and Gunnar Henderson at third base. I feel like that will be a lineup that we see fairly regularly by the end of the season – uh, because I do think that a, a guy or two or three is going to be traded from this roster. Yeah, it, it definitely could happen. And it could flip on the other side. It could be that maybe a guy like Ortiz, Westberg, or Norby gets traded themselves mm -hmm. because the O's are in contention. They want to go get a starting pitcher, and they have to use one of those guys. I think, as you said, a trade just feels like it's happening, whether it's for major mm -hmm. leaguers or minor leaguers. As we get to this point of the conversation, there's just too many guys this year. And it's not yeah. just the five guys in the big leagues. It is three guys who legitimately are going to push themselves into the big leagues, I think, at some point this year. It's just too crowded. So I'll kind of ask it this way. Do you see 
it being more likely that one of the major leaguers is traded to make room or one of the minor leaguers is traded to make room? You know, that's a great question because you do have to consider the fact if the Orioles are in contention, they're not going to want to trust the an entire rookie infield to lead them to the promised land. If, if a veteran gets traded, if it's Adam Frazier, I can see him being a deadline deal. I can 100% see that. But if it, it, otherwise, I think that we're going to see a, a veteran get traded early in the year, if not before the end of spring training. A deadline deal is probably going to be more likely, it's probably more likely to be a prospect because that's ultimately what's going to get you what you're looking for in return, whether it's a big bat to help the, this lineup or that big starting pitcher like a Corbin Burns. Um, you're going to need to deal a prospect or two to make that move. And I think that's more likely at the deadline. Yeah, it's going to be really, really interesting to watch to see. And it's not just about, you know, who the players are on the roster. But then, as I talked about, it's also about who Hyde's putting in the lineup every day. I think it's it's like a good headache to have right now for the Orioles. Mm -hmm. They've got, you could argue they have eight major league options with infielders that, you know, at one point were on, were in big league spring training. That Mm -hmm. is a really good problem to have. Plus, knowing you have Mount Castle at first, plus knowing you have Adley Rutschman behind the plate, Things are looking good in that sense. Now, they're going to need somebody to break out because they have a bunch of guys besides Henderson who at this point are solid big leaguers or rookies, and you don't want to trust, you know, you don't have anybody who's really going to break out, break out yet, potentially, um, you know, not including Mountcastle and and Rutschman. But here's the last question, and it's a tough one, and I'm going to try to answer it too. So right now the Orioles have what we think is five big league infielders on the roster, not counting the catchers of the first baseman. So the guys we've talked about in Vavra, Urias, and Adam Frazier, and then Gunnar Henderson and Jorge Mateo. Let's say mm-hmm. we get to September, and we'll even make it easier. We'll say it's 28-man roster, and the Orioles use that extra hitter spot for an infielder. So there's six infielders on September 1st, as the Orioles are not in first in the division, not even in a playoff spot, but let's say they're you know three games back, and they're competing you know kind of right where they were last year. Who are those six infielders that are on that team on September 1st? Boy, that, that is a doozy. So we'll, we'll we'll go with, in my opinion, the obvious: uh, Gunnar Henderson, um, Ryan Mount, not not including Ryan Mount. Yeah, not including me. first base or um, Gunnar Henderson. I'm going to say the Terran Vavra sticks. I think the bat and the on base capabilities are too good. I think he sticks. Um, Jordan Westberg, Jorge Mateo. That's four. Yeah, you got. It. I'm gonna say Connor Norby because so I think the bat's just special. I think the the bat is gonna play so well um, that, that that he might force their hand by September. And then I'll go out on a limb and I'll say Joey Ortiz. I, I'll I'll say that all three of Ortiz, Norby, and Westberg will be here in September um, because Norfolk season will be just about over at that point anyway, so they won't have much else. To, I know that they go that they go later, but especially if they're not in contention. But I think that if they're going to call somebody extra up, it's going to be a guy whose bat plays, and that would be when Connor Norby gets the call up. Yeah, so that leaves out Adam Frazier and Ramona Rios from the group. And honestly, that was the six I came up with. I think that, as you said, Adam Frazier could be a deadline deal. And honestly, Paul, if he's not, he could be bad enough where he just gets DFA'd because mm-hmm. there are so many options and he's only on a one-year deal. 
And, you know, you could argue that $8 million is big money for the Angelos family right now, but it's not actually big money for Major League Baseball. Sure. So he could get DFA'd at some point. And with Ramon Arias, I think he's probably the best candidate to be like an early season trade for a a different area of need. Maybe the O's get a couple more pitching injuries and they just need a a mid-level pitcher and they go get it with with Ramon Arias. Like I could see that happening. And then I can see we get to September and it's go time. And honestly, I could see, you know, you that infield you mentioned with Norby at second and, and Henderson at short, Westberg at third. Like I could see that. Maybe we see a little more, you know, Mateo at, at, at that point just because he's he's been there with the team multiple times. Uh, but that infield could happen in September. And that's where we finish here. I mean, it's fun to think that the O's have some fun options now. But by the end of this season, and this is really whether they're good or they take a little bit of a step back, there's going to mm-hmm. be an incredibly exciting group of infielders on this team heading into 2024. And I hope those guys get playoff chances this year. But even if they don't, they're really going to set things up in that infield. And one of them could be dealt. But even if one is dealt, it's still a really, really exciting group moving forward. It's a really exciting group. And that's before you even throw Jackson Holiday into the equation, maybe as early as midseason in 2024, because he looked he never looked overmatched. He looked like he belonged this spring. Um, and with Jorge Mateo, the reason I think that he sticks around, especially if they're trying to get into the playoffs, look at how important Jared Dyson was for the Kansas City Royals in 14 and 15. Uh, you need somebody like that that can be a defensive replacement, that can go in there and steal a bag for you. That that role is so vital to the success of your ball club, and I think that Jorge Mateo fits that to a T for this team. Yeah, and he could even be – I mean – you could easily argue he could still be a more productive hitter if you need him to hit than than Gerard Dyson ever was. Oh, absolutely. As well. But Paul, thank you so much for joining us once again. I knew this was going to be the longest episode of my preview episodes because there's just so much to sort out. And honestly, we could probably go another half hour just trying to place mm-hmm. where these guys will play, how often they'll play there, you know, where they'll move in the lineup, when some of them could come up to the big leagues. Uh, but I think we got at least a, a good overview here. But before we go, let everybody know uh, where they can find you throughout the week talking about the Orioles as we are we are close. We're It's almost at the point where we're a week away from opening day. Yeah, the majority of the stuff that I tweet about is Orioles related. So you can find me at Paul Valley the third. That's Paul Valley III on Twitter. Um, you can check out my show for Press Box uh, Sports in Baltimore every Saturday. That's the bat around from 10 a.m. to noon, but we usually go to 1230. This Saturday, we're going to be doing our Major League Baseball preview show with Press Box editor Luke Jackson. That show will probably go closer to one. Um, uh so th- we're going to have a lot of fun doing that. I do have another show coming up this week on Give That Fan a Podcast with Ryan Blake. So you can check us out there. If you want to check out the batter on, just go to pressboxonline.com slash radio or pressbox or um, facebook.com slash pressbox sports or youtube.com slash pressboxonline. Well, Paul, thanks again for uh, for joining me. And I'm, I'm sure we'll talk to you again as this Oriole season begins. Thanks for having me. Always fun talking baseball with you, Connor. So that was Paul Valley of the Bat Around joining us to preview the Orioles infield. Make sure to hop in the in the YouTube comments here on the Locked On Orioles YouTube page. Let us know how you would put together this Orioles infield for 2023. I'll be back tomorrow with another episode breaking down Orioles news and notes from Camp DL Hall making his debut. Felix Bautista getting closer, and maybe we'll know an opening day starter for sure by then when I return on tomorrow's episode. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.